Hi, I'm Mitch Kasprick, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com podcast number 76. Today I'm going to be joined by my regular co-host, Daryl Manchalenko. Well, Daryl, we've reached the quarter poll. The Jets are 13-7-2. What are your uh, first thoughts, first impressions? Well, it's certainly been a uh, an interesting 22 games, that's for sure. Lots of ups and downs, and and certainly they are building towards a better quality game. But uh, you know, as I, as I was pointing out uh, in in our last week's uh, you know prediction for this last road trip, I was hoping to see some consistency uh, and building on what they had done on the road on the homestand. And a few of those things, you know, those defensive woes or the lack of killer instinct has, uh, you know, creeped back into their game or reared its ugly head, however you want to describe it. But but generally speaking, um, the first quarter of the season has been a very competitive one uh, within the division. You know, the Jets are sitting in the first wild card spot and, and frankly, only two points out of being out of a wild card spot at this point. So... You know the Jets are uh, the Jets are I would say building, and uh, let's hope that some of those uh, some of those issues going forward in the next twenty games uh, are far and few between. Yeah, I was looking at the standings again this morning too, and what I noticed, like you said, there's uh, there's teams behind them that are within striking distance, but also too the Jets have games in hand, which is nice. Uh, they blew an opportunity in the Minnesota game because. You know they win that game, and now they've they've caught them, and uh, they put some space between them and some of the others. You know they finished the road trip at two and two, which I said I always hope for a five hundred road trip. They beat the two teams they probably should have, but when you have a game like that locked down, I mean that's never locked down in the in the way the league is now. But uh, two nothing lead in Minneapolis is uh, you know solid going into the third period, and the, it was the kind of goals that they gave up just made me sick. And you know exactly you, when you can feel the game slipping away a little bit, maybe you got to hunker down and maybe just say, let's get it to the shootout or get it to overtime. But uh, in today's hockey, you know the scene, the, you know the, the it seems to be it's let's play high event hockey and trade chances. Well, the Jets' goaltending right now and their defensive play isn't good enough right now to trade chances. And to me, that was another lost opportunity. I think that's the third game this year that they've let get away in the third period, and that's uh, unsettling. Um, I just, I just, I'm, I'm old school, and I like to play the scoreboard a little bit. And I don't think that they, I don't think that they shut it down and tried to check. I think it was the exact opposite. I thought they were just a little bit too sloppy and a couple lucky bounces, and you know things happen. But um, when momentum is starting to sway a little bit, you got to simplify your game and, and get it done, right? Well, exactly. And I think, I think uh, when you look at the seven regulation losses and two overtime losses uh, you know there's easily four games in there that the jets had either in control uh, going into the third period or at some point in that hockey game uh, where they were well in control and you, you know you look at the edmonton game in particular and and those are those are concerning concerning issues and something they need to to fix in the next uh you know, batch of games to make sure if when they're in that position again. And and frankly, the St. Louis game had the bit of a flavor going there too. I mean, you're up seven two, and next thing you know, it's seven four, and you, and uh, the Jet fans were probably scratching their head, wondering if this was going to become something that we've seen before. You know, and um, you know that said, uh, 
you know, a fantastic uh, effort by Liney, uh, you know, to score five goals and uh, and really kind of break the hearts of uh, of the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, we'll get into him in a few minutes, but uh, you know, I was thinking, and this this is something that I find uh, very interesting is. Uh, because we watch the team every night, we have our critiques of them and we see their flaws and their warts. But yet on the national stage, uh, I scratch my head, you know, listening to the guys on the radio and, and, uh, and on TV talking about like the Jets are top three team, they're Stanley Cup contender, they're this and that. And I'll tell you something right now, this team is a far cry from a Stanley Cup contender right now. I mean, I think they can be and will be because they have uh, the personnel and the talent. But right now, they're not even close to Nashville. They're not even the same league. And I'm not even sure they're as good as Minnesota. Minnesota's healthy now, getting good goaltending. And uh, I don't want to base it on one game because they beat us on their home ice. I think we are probably better than Minnesota. But you look at the standings. I watch other games. Calgary's playing good. I don't see teams playing as sloppy as we do, like elite teams. There's lots of shitty, sloppy hockey right now. You watch the games right now. They're awful. This this brand of hockey is absolutely awful with the with the the refereeing how it is and there's no flow to games, but the uh, the Jets have a long way to get to where they were in that Nashville series and it's scary. Um, the thing is, and I guess that's what you got to build towards, right? Well, yeah, sure, ultimately, yeah. you know, it's you can't replicate it uh, at a game one, you know, and and when you look at uh, some of our stats in the first twenty games last year, we certainly you know, probably aren't all that far off from what we were. The only difference is expectation. And, and um, you know, frankly, uh, I think that's a, it's a tough ask to put those kinds of expectations on this team, given some of the issues that, that we're, we've seen and, and, and some of the players, the, the, the way the roster is made up, you know, we're our bottom, bottom end of our roster is, uh, you know, maybe not the same as it was uh, going into the playoffs last year. So, I guess we we got to sort of temper ourselves a little bit in that regard. That said, our defensive game is not good enough by any stretch of the imagination, and and uh, you know that's got to be the number one number one issue going into uh, you know especially against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh can can light us up, and Chicago's uh, given it to us uh, already once this year. So. You know, these next couple of games are, are huge, and we better be playing a game, a style of game that, you know, if we win 4-1, great, but we're trying to win a game 2-1. Yeah, well, the funny thing about, uh, you know, outsiders' perception of this team, they'll look at this team and say, well, you know, they're transitioning, they're a young team. To be honest, it's the young guys aren't our problem right now. That fourth line isn't hurting us. <laughs> it's... Uh, our, our, our last pairing, like Tyler Myers has struggled this year, and it's well-documented, and, you know, picking on him is like, it's low-hanging fruit. I don't want to go there. Um, I did see some improvement in his game on this road trip. He completely simplified his game and wasn't trying to overdo things. And, you know, you shouldn't get that. I mean, if he's confident in playing well, it's a different story. But when you're struggling and everything seems to be, everything you do is a mistake, it's time to simplify. And I thought he did. That was a good sign. But, um, yeah, it's uh, our defensive woes. I'm not blaming it on the kids at all. The fourth line doesn't play enough, and they haven't been scored on enough for them to be the problem. It's, uh, I'll be frankly honest, the Shifley-Wheeler line is sometimes awful in their defensive end. I mean, they get away well, they're from, not very good. No, they get away with a lot. I'd, I'd like to see what their, uh, their Corsi numbers are. 
and they're probably pretty good. But the thing is, Corsi numbers are nice if you're out shooting teams, but the thing is you have to outscore them. And they've done a lot of scoring, not a lot at even strength, although it's been better. Um, and the whole team as a whole on this road trip picked up the five-on-five -five scoring uh, quite a bit. But uh, and, and like you say, it's a work in progress, and it's not going to... They didn't pick up where they left off last year because the team is different. But you know what? To me, goal scoring is tough and skill is tough. And we got all that in spades. And to me, playing defensive hockey and learning to check and playing your own, that's easy because you don't have the puck. It doesn't make any brains. You can train a chimp to play positional hockey. And somehow this team has gotten away from that. I don't understand why. Uh, we're a little sloppy with the puck in our own end. But that's today's game. They put a lot of pressure on you. And I get that. It's not going to ever be a perfect game, but we see so many of the repetitive mistakes. Maybe it's time to start looking at the breakout, changing it up. But uh, you know, overall, I'm not. I can't sit here and bitch about their record. It's thirteen seven and two. It could be, should be better, but it's not. So I'm going to move on from that and get to something that's a little more happier, a little happier. And let's talk about Patrick Liney. And then first of all, I just want to mention that uh, we're watching a game. And I said to my wife. Boy, I bet you when, when Flyney got that fourth goal and there was half a game left, I said, I bet you Safeway and Sobies are glad that, uh, or breathing a sigh of relief. And then I was notified on Twitter that, no, for the, uh, the Safeway shoot to win the five goal thing that for the million bucks is also valid for all the radio games because they're all on TSN, right? So when uh, he potted that fifth goal, I said, some lucky guy in Manitoba or Saskatchewan just got himself a million bucks, and uh, and he did. So uh, Flyney, uh I remember tweeting out last year and putting it in my random thoughts. I guess Liney is going to be the first guy to cost those guys a million, and he did. But what a road trip, you know. Three goals, two goals, one goal and five. He comes home, and he's a leading uh, goal scorer in the NHL. That was <laughs> let's unbelievable. Put this in perspective. Let's put it in perspective. The, the only guy happier than uh, Chris Haley, who won the million bucks, congratulations to him, yeah, is, sure. is Patrick Liney, who scored 11 goals in four games. So... He's one goal shy of a hat trick in in all four games. You you know when you break it down on a per game basis, like that's just ridiculous. It's sick. I mean, I it's absolutely ridiculous. And but he does score in bunches, and when he scores in bunches, you know it can be can get silly. But it's never been this crazy uh, over the course of his first two two plus years. And uh, you sure misses Paul Stastny, boy. I tell you. Oh, yeah, exactly. But that line, I mean, Kyle Connor, you know, and not to get away from line, but Kyle Connor, you know, we, we saw Ehlers and uh, and Liney play with Little last year and at the beginning of this year at times. And, you know, there's something not quite right in that, right? Just It just never seemed to fit. But the minute Kyle Connor drops down, you know, great move by the coaching staff to, to make that switch because it's changed. The dynamic of that, you know, is way more north south, and and it's uh, it's produced. You know, um, that line is dangerous, and now we have two lines that that frankly, your a team has got a handful of uh, trouble on you know uh, on themselves. So it's it's uh, it's exciting to see, and and you know, twenty goals in the first or nineteen goals in the first twenty two games. Uh, you know, 50 seems to be almost a guarantee now if yeah. I'm going to, you know, 
be silly and prognosticate, uh, you know, be, you know, to the end of the year here, but it's unbelievable. And, uh, congratulations to him for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know, I'm not an Andrew Kopp hater, but I'm certainly not a fan of his. I just think he gets away with, he always slides under the radar when there's a lot of criticism going around. And, uh, so he was, uh, he took that hit last game and he's out and, uh, Matthew Perot played on that line with Tanev and uh, and Lowry, and I have to admit, I really liked that line like that. I really, so do really I. did. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, it always takes an injury for you know something like that to pop up, a little change. But uh, I really hope they keep that line together. I just, you know, we need a little more balanced scoring because outside of Liney, uh, Liney, Shifley, and Connor, um, Connor's at ten goals, I believe, and and the next one's at five. And then it goes four, four. We need some, we need some depth scoring. And you know, fortunately, uh, number thirteen Tanev continues to you know chip in here and there. But uh, you know, to your point, I think that third line or whatever number you want to call it uh, with Perot there, I think has got the potential of picking up some slack in that regard. And so I'm excited about that too because um, they just look a lot more dangerous. Like the thing is, what do you do with Cop? Do you put him at center on the fourth line or on the wing, and play him with you know, like play him with Patan and Roslovic? Like, I don't think there's any room for uh, you know for Lemieux. I think he's going to be a popcorn eater, and he probably should go back to the AHL. And we'll talk about that in a second because of the Marco Dano thing. But uh, um, yeah, there's there's all kinds of uh, that's that that's the beauty of it is when you have options. I mean, there's going to come a point in time when guys are getting banged up and nicked, and you're going to just be scraping for. You know the guys to get into into the lineup. Right now, they have a ton of healthy guys, and they have options, and everything will work itself out. But uh, yeah, I, I'm okay. I like all the players that would be on that fourth line mix, and I'm going to include Dano in there. Dano, Lemieux, Patan, Rostovic, and I'm going to say Cop now. Put those guys in a blender, shake them up, throw them out the next game. They all play a similar style of hockey. Roslovic and Patan obviously have the skill. And maybe those two should always stay together and you can roll those other guys in and out. But I just like the makeup of our forward lines right now. I'm happy with that. And I'm really happy if Pro stays up on that third line with Lowry and Tanev. He adds a bit more skill, a little more finish maybe. And uh, the way and he's a forechecker too. He's actually a better forechecker than Kopp because he's a better skater. So Cop uh, has a tendency of coughing the puck up in the wing scenario. Like he he tries to make a play and then inadvertently it's coming out of the zone quite quite often. And so you know on that line, I think he's the weaker link between Lowry and Tanevim himself. And and so you know him playing center might uh, might be a better position for him and and with Patan and, and Roslovic on his sides, uh, I think that's a, it's a pretty good line. Yeah. And, you know, and they're showing some, they're showing some ability to control the play in the offensive zone. So let's hope, uh, you know, cops out with an injury right now, but let's hope he's not uh, gone for too long. Cause I think uh, we're a better team with him in the lineup. Uh, uh, for sure. You know, he's not a guy you're going to sit, but he could be bumped down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, since we since we mentioned Dano, let's let's bump into there. I have to admit, I was pleasantly surprised and had a little smile on my face because I was never a Dano hater. I kind of liked this game. I always wonder why he didn't play a little more. So you know, the Jets claimed him off of waivers from Colorado and they sent him to the Moose. So he's got a chance to get. You know, it was probably an easy decision for him, and I'm sure 
I'm sure they talked to the agent and that and said, would he be receptive to coming back? And he probably jumped at the chance. It's familiarity. Uh, you know, he probably still has the same place here and everything. So house in that or condo, wherever he was living. And, uh, yeah, good for him. He's got a chance to go to the Moose and get the, the get that job back from Lemieux. A little bit of an eye-opener, though, eh? Yeah, for sure. You know, from, from a player's perspective, you know, he's didn't, uh, he couldn't get himself into the lineup. You know, and that that's rests on his shoulders, no one else, in my opinion. Um, you know, you can talk about minutes, you can talk about, you know, sitting in the press box, but if you, you know, that's what the fourth line has to, has to deal with. And that's why it's hard to be on a fourth line is you only get so many minutes and you got to make the most of it. And frankly, I don't think he, he made, made the most of it. And that's where, why he was put on waivers and Colorado felt the same way. So, um, you know, he's going to go to the Moose. I think he can stay there for for a little bit, get playing. He needs to play, and play some good minutes. And and uh, you know, I think the AHL is a, a good spot for him. And you know, with the with the the reassignment of Veselin, uh, that you know, there's a roster spot on the Moose, and so the the Jets thought, uh, here's a player we know what we're getting. Let's get him get him down there and contribute. And and so. I'm not sure we're going to see very much of uh, Dano uh, going forward, but, um, you know. You never know, right? Depth interviews. You never know. Well, here's the thing that I find amusing is he had a lot of supporters in the analytics community, and I was kind of half one of them. I, I didn't dislike him. I didn't know that he was. I don't think Lemieux was any better, and that was a, a curious decision. I think Lemieux got the job because of his name. But in moving off from that, I mean, uh, everybody crapped on the Jets for the you know not playing him for putting him on waivers. Well, you know what? He was put on waivers again, and I'm sure the Jets were right at the bottom of the league and for picking. There's probably well, how many at least twenty some odd teams that passed on him too. So uh, that's right. You know, so that's that's that. It is what it is. Uh, hey, I'm glad he's here. It's uh, it's another warm body. It never hurts. It isn't costing us anything. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is like. Uh, did anybody see this coming out of Kyle Connor? 24 points in 22 games, and he's driving that line. And him, Little, and Line A look like money. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm not going to say I'm surprised uh, because look what look what this kid's trajectory has been since he you know left college. Yeah. You know he goes to the A. He spends uh, what did he spend? 20 some games in the A, and. Next thing you know, you know the, the this guy's got thirty one goals. Like it's unbelievable. So you know this guy's trajectory is just through the roof, and you know it should be now a conversation about what, how good can he be. You know, um, it's just uh, it's it's un- unbelievable, and you know this guy's a point of player, point of game player all day long, and. Uh, you know, 30 goals, I think, is going to be a standard for, for this player. 35 goals, you know, he, he's a four, he potentially being a 40-goal guy, you know. So in that sense, uh, you know, it's uh, it's exciting. Yeah, all, it's super exciting. All those teams that passed on him, and I remember watching the, uh, the draft that year, and the guys were shaking their heads that he was still on the board at 17. And what I find, uh, what I find very curious about him is, you could see that he had offensive skill. He had quick hands, a pretty good shot in that. So, and especially with the moose, you could see his numbers were good. 
but he looked lost defensively in that first little bit with the Jets. Coming out of his first camp, he was like a deer in a headlight. It was just brutal. And then even when he came after being called up, he was I still thought he was a liability in his own end. And you watch him now. He gets the puck out quick. He back checks hard. Back pressure is unbelievable. And he's such a hard skater. He's It's almost like, you know, he, he, he watched Blake Wheeler play when Blake had that really good year. Well, he's had a couple of good years, but it's like Blake kind of leads by example, and a lot of the young guys are picking up on that, and it's nice to see. But Kyle Connors, his development and his progression in the last year and a half to two years, I find just amazing, and I'm so impressed with his play right now. And, uh, yeah, it makes this team a lot more formidable, doesn't it? He's, I mean, and I, I should correct myself. You know, he only played four games in the minors last year before getting called up. But in those four games, he had three goals. And then, you know, the last part of the previous year, he played 52 games, scored 25. He's on a, he's on a half a, a goal a game pace in, in the A. And he's on that same pace here at, uh, at the NHL level here. Uh, so it's, this, this guy is legit. He's legit, and he's never had the recognition that he's deserved. I mean, when Jimmy VC wins the uh, Hobie Baker, Baker award, award that had no business, you know, winning it. Um, here's a here's a player that uh, bypassed from World Juniors. You know, like he's always been viewed um, second. You know, at, I would say at a second tier, almost like a, I'm not sure what the right. He's been bypassed a lot, but all he does is put up points, scores goals, and his in his game at a, uh, from a defensive standpoint is is uh, NHL ready. Well, so I was going to say when he when he was at that junior age, he didn't play with the U.S. National Development Team in Ann Arbor. I think he played in Youngstown in the USHL. So yes. it's not not like they didn't see him. I mean, it's not like uh, you know. Uh, USA Hockey didn't see him, but they really do stick to uh, you know the guys in the de- development program. Correct. No, but he did get in his final year of eligibility, uh, just based on his numbers at uh, Michigan, and that he did he did get to play. But he wasn't on the radar early. That's for sure. And you're right about Jimmy VC. Uh, you know, look at me now. How do you like me now? You know. Well, that's right. <laughs> you know, you know it's like, good. so. But it, it was a travesty. Uh, you know. It was, but uh, almost, almost like Andrew Harris not winning the uh, outstanding <laughs> Canadian. But we won't go there. Well, yeah, it's, that was curious. Um, I want to bring up something about, you know, just social media, talk radio, call-in shows. You know, everybody wants to blame the the head coach. It's like, what's Maurice doing? What the hell's Pomo doing? And hey, I'm guilty of that as well. But at times, I sit there and scratch my head, and I'm watching, I'm watching Tyler Myers struggle from the start of the year and just overplaying everything, just bad decisions and just looks like his head wasn't in the game. Something's going on. Uh, I thought he was better this road trip, but, um, and I sit back and wonder, and I, and I don't like Charlie Huddy because I hate the Oilers and I hated him on the Oilers and I don't even like him behind the jet bench. So to me, he's low hanging fruit. He's easy picking for me to crap all over him. Right? So what does Huddy mm-hmm. do behind the bench? Does he ever talk to these guys, calm them down? Like, you no, know, point something out while the play is going on or is it does he just sit there daydreaming about his Oilers Stanley Cup rings it just it just annoys me that's one thing and then the second thing we're going to get to and I'll let you comment on both of these is I should I should I should tell uh, the listeners this is a curmudgeon alert 
This is a wow, I'm ready, I'm, I'm ready to go off because here's another thing. <laughs> I watched Connor Hellebuck and uh, Laurent Brossois just handle the puck like a brick on this road trip, putting their defensemen in peril, confusion, confusion, no communication. And when they do, you know, I think Brossois is a better puck handle than Helly, but he's had his moments. But Hellebuck just. Stay in the net, dude. You you handle the puck like a brick. And I'm not even going to blame you, but I am going to blame you. What does Wade Flaherty do with these guys? Do they sit? What do they do? Sit there hugging the post for 40 minutes in their workouts? I cannot believe that a guy that's been a pro for five to six years hasn't figured out that puck handling is a major part and an asset in this league. And and he either he stinks at it, Maybe he is working on it and can't get it. I don't believe that. But you've got to be off-season. That's got to be like number one on your list. Work on your puck handling and help your defensemen because right now they are a detriment when they leave the crease. And uh, I sit at home sometimes pulling out my hair going, get back in the net. And uh, so, like, what's Wade Flaherty doing? Are these guys just unteachable? Like, I've seen no improvement whatsoever in Hellebuck. I don't know enough about Brossois. He seems to have, a, I've, I've seen him do some good things this year uh, with the puck, but a couple times he bobbled it, almost scored on himself that one game. Luckily we won, but uh, like I want, I want some of these assistant coaches to take a little bit of the brunt of the criticism and stop blaming the head coach, I guess is what I'm getting at. Well, I... Your boy, here we go. <laughs> here we go. I... I, <laughs> I got there's, a good, there's good cop, bad cop. Yeah, right? And yeah. who's the good cop? It's the assistant coaches. Yeah. Bad cop is the head coach. You're right? right. He's the guy that's he's got to put the hammer down and this, that, whatever else. So I'm not laying blame on on Maurice, but you know, Huddy, Huddy and Flaherty, they have to be the good guys when working with the players. They have to be. So you know, is there is are they are they given the prod? Hey, buddy, let's go. We got you know, like got to keep it simple behind the net. Or or Myers, you you know, if, if you turn up and look up uh, the ice and you see nothing but a a Calgary Flame sitting there, uh, don't pass him the puck, right? Like, so I think there's coaching there for sure, but I don't think it's the kind of coaching that you would like. I think that's where Maurice has to. That's his job, I think, is to be the the bad cop in that in that in that math. When it comes to the puck handling side, though, these guys have to keep it simple. They can't they can't think that they're puck handlers. They just got to, and we've got good enough defensemen to go back and get it and and make a play, right? So just get it to the defenseman, position it so they can come around the net and get it. I don't think there's as many good puck handling goalies out there today that we saw in, you know, in past years, I think it goes in waves and, and it's, you hear it all the time. Coaching goalies at amateur, at the amateur level is incredibly difficult. There's, it's a skill set that I think a lot of head coaches in the NHL have no idea how to coach. Right. So they rely on outsourced coaching, you know, uh, Hellebuck and Brossois have their coach that they go to in the summertime and Flaherty's there to just keep sort of supporting and guiding and, and reinforcing those, those concepts. So it's a different animal. And I just don't think guys are as good as they used to be, but there's, but they're still 
generally speaking, fewer of them that seem to have the same amount of trouble that Hellebuck does when he gets outside of his net. You know, he has to touch that puck, stop it from going all the way around, and then get back to his net. And when he keeps that part of his game incredibly simple, he doesn't get into trouble. I, I, and Brossois and Brossois showed a couple. You know, I mean, you know, he almost put one in his net. Uh, I think it was the Calgary game. Was it the Calgary game that he played that uh, he almost put it in the net? There was that and, one. Yeah, there's a couple. And you know, and then the other night there too. He's you, know, you can't, especially when there's pressure. It's either you whip it around the board. That's your first move. You grab it and you see if your defenseman's under pressure. Whip it around and and get back to the net. And some of it's routing too, right? Like taking the the wrong route to to get to the puck or to get back to your net. And so there's some skill there that needs to be worked on without a doubt. But, you know, I'd rather see these guys just not go back there unless <laughs> it's just to stop it from going all the way around the boards and get it to their defenseman and then get the heck out of the way. And, you know, don't overthink it. Yeah, and and Hellebuck certainly overthinks it when when he goes behind the net. It's it's almost like uh, you know you could sort of tell time by it. Well, I wish they worked for you. You're far too kind. <laughs> on a on, <laughs> on on a closing note, I got to go to one of my curmudgeonly pet peeves. I hate mass stupidity, and I'm seeing it every day on the websites I go to, and it just irritates the living crap out of me. And I'll get to it right now. On the Manitoba Moose website and on the official American Hockey League website, they have gone out of their way to tell you that the top four teams in each division make the playoffs. And the playoffs are based on winning percentage because all teams in the American Hockey League don't play the same amount of games. So they don't go by points, they go by winning percentage. But yet... Listen to this, Manny. But yet, you go to both both websites, and what do you see? They have the standings in points. What the hell is going on? Like, really? Like, really? You're going to tell us that, and then you list them the old style anyway? Somebody there needs... They either need to change the guy who looks after their websites, and somebody needs to lose their job and get it straight. That just irritated the crap out of me last night when I was looking at it again. I figured they would have had a change, and it's still the same. I can't argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you, but I won't argue against you. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. But speaking of which, and I'm changing the subject. Yeah, I know where you're going. Uh, Ron Hextall is no longer the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh. So, you know, the tolerance level with teams seems to be very, very short and, uh, you know, another casualty of, you know, I guess stagnant production, stagnant, uh, results. And, um, you know, maybe <laughs> the lack of willingness to deal with your goaltending situation has cost another person his job and, and, uh, and or ownership wanted to fire the coach and the GM said no and it cost him his job. So any thoughts on that? So yeah, um the goaltending to me hasn't been their problem. They just they can't score. They have no depth after Couturier, Konechny, and uh, Giroux. 
I mean, you think with Voracek and uh, Nolan Patrick and a few of the kids they got back there, they get more scoring. But uh, lately, because I follow them, because I'm in fantasy hockey, so I have guys on all these teams, and they've went through a stretch where they've been shut out a couple times and scored only one goal on, on home ice. And I thought the guy that was going was Dave Haxtell for sure. That's why when you said <laughs> when you said uh, Haxtell, I went, uh, I was shocked. You know, usually like they say most GMs you get to fire two coaches and it's you, right? Yeah, it's uh, you know to your point, the the Flyers have uh, scored uh, a mes- Well, they've scored three goals a game, and in today's NHL, if you're not scoring three and a half goals, you're likely, especially when you're giving up. Um, well, they're giving up three and a half goals a game. So, yeah. you know, it's it's a combination of, uh, you know, offense. But, you know, here's a team that might, you know, you might see some some drastic uh, changes in uh, in Philadelphia. And certainly not enough youth coming up either, though. You would think that after a few years... Uh, but nonetheless, well, they got hard coming to up. Philadelphia. They, they got, well, I think that's where what, what what the angst in Philadelphia might be all about is guys like Elliot have simply not, uh, you know, it was a stopgap measure, and and looks like Hextall decided that he wasn't going to bring up Hart, who seems to be the up and coming stud for Philadelphia, having given giving him the chance to get some games in. Well, Carter Hart's not ready yet. He is going to be a franchise goalie for them. I have no doubt about it. And uh, his time will come, and it, it's not now. They don't. They don't want to probably. They don't want to put him in that lineup. And I don't blame them. But uh, our time. But I not. guess. I guess. I guess you could look back at Hellebuck uh, last or two years ago and say, hmm, "What's the difference between the Jets making that move?" I think Helly was a little older, no. Eh, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe that's the difference. Yeah. Don't know. Haven't looked into Philadelphia to be honest. So, and do you really just, care? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's just interesting that. No, it uh, is interesting for sure. The the carousel of, uh, you know, the quarter poles, is is reared its ugly head in terms of uh, firings in the league and. Yeah, coaches and GMs now. Yeah. This is a tough one for for Philadelphia for sure. Well, Manny, our time is done, and we'll wrap it up for this week again. We'll be back next Monday. Uh, thank you to all the people that uh, check in with us and listen to us. Don't be afraid to send us a question on Twitter if you uh, if you have one. Uh, you can catch our podcast on Podomatic, Spotify, uh, iTunes, uh, you name it, uh, Stitcher, uh, Anchor FM. Uh, we're out there all over the place, so uh, have a listen. Uh, send your comments. Uh, Daryl, once again, thanks for taking time out of your busy work day. And spending a half an hour with me talking hockey is nothing I'd rather do. It's uh, easy for me. I'm retired, old curmudgeon, and you're still a working guy. But uh, thanks for taking that. Hey, my pleasure.